illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half in the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Nick. he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgater. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host and the big bald guy behind the grill, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me, as always, from Twin Pines Vineyards and Airbnb, the director of thermodynamic lipid immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beej. Hey, Billy, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Yeah, no, it was it was a good weekend. I mean, I I'm always freaking busy. You know, I, I the the uh, between the tailgating and the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, my Saturday was gone, and then I ended up having to work eight hours today at my other job, and and uh, then I'm still trying to catch up on laundry from going down to Disney World last week. Jeez. Oh, so. Such a social I, butterfly. I know it's tough being me. Right so. on. Well. So. We got a lot of good stuff to talk about here. Okay. Hey, uh, Billy, I had um, I, I went down kind of a wormhole. Uh, I don't know if it's Facebook or some link that was popped up on my on my feed. Okay. And it was talking about um, subtle things in movies that you don't notice. Okay. And and I was one of them actually uh, because we we've had this conversation over over um, your ability to to procreate. Um, so you ever seen the movie Jurassic Park? Yeah, of course. Okay. So in the, the, the it's, it's kind of cool. You, people don't realize how subtle this was and what it was foreshadowing, but right at the beginning, uh, I can't think of the main character's name, but he's flying on the plane and he goes to buckle himself in. And when he pulls the two buckles together, he has two female ends of the buckle. Oh yeah. And so he ends up just like tying it a knot and tying it. Around his waist. Mm-hmm. That's foreshadowing. That, was, foreshadowing. that yeah. was foreshadowing the fact that that uh, yeah, the nature finds a way, and even with females, you can still make things work. Yeah. I, and I didn't realize that. The other one that was kind of interesting was, I guess, for Terminator Two. Okay. 
um, J- uh, who is it, James Cameron? Uh-huh. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. So he already knew that he wanted a song from Guns N' Roses in that movie. So, and, you know, and, and I think we talked about it in one of our, probably when we did Guns N' Roses was uh, uh, You Could Be Mine. Yeah, of course. Being the song. So that is the reason why when Arnold Schwarzenegger's character is going in, I think he's going into the hospital to break out Sarah Connor. Mm-hmm. And he comes in with a box of roses oh. and then he pulls out a gun. Ah, oh, guns and roses. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. That was, that was, that was a little, little fun fact there. So. Well, you're, you're talking okay, about, that's, that's, that's cool. You were talking about the movie Jurassic Park and me, I had a parenting mm-hmm. win years ago. The first time mm-hmm. I ever showed that movie to the boys. Uh-huh. Peyton was probably like six or seven. Uh-huh. And we're watching it and there's one part where oh what's the name of the guy that builds the park? Oh, I know who you're talking about. The guy who kind of looks like Santa Claus. Yeah, um with a thinner beard. Yeah. Where he he mentions the wrong date? Yes. Well, when he goes, mm-hmm. I can't think of his what, what is his but, name? Um let me see. I'm going to look it up. His name is it's John Well, didn't <laughs> Hammond, I think John Hammond. So John Hammond, when everything is going kind of starting to go bad, he says, mm-hmm. well, when they opened up Disneyland in 1956, nothing worked. And little yeah. six or seven year old Peyton stops and he looks me dead in the eye and goes, but Disneyland opened in 1955. And I was like, parenting win right there. Yes. <laughs> you know, my well, well, six year old kid knew the right date. Well, didn't didn't I mention? I think I mentioned on one of our previous podcasts how there is a tribute to Goonies in Jurassic Park. Oh yeah, that the that the clothes that um, Wayne Knight's character is wearing, the one who's um, the the bad guy the essentially, ba- the bad guy, the guy who's stealing the plans, the eggs, the eggs yeah. and, and they put them in the container, and yeah, everything he's wearing are clothes that the Goonies wear. Yeah, every every scene he does or every every wardrobe change. He's changing into a different Goonies outfit. Yeah, because one, one point he's got, be, he's got he's got a Hawaiian shirt like Chunk would wear. He's got the yellow rain slicker, like mm-hmm. uh, like Mikey wears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he's got doesn't he wear an overcoat at one? Does he do a data too? I think so. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, but uh, good good times right there. Good times noodle salad. Yep, 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 yep. I love a good movie. Well, I just want to let everyone know the purpose of illegal participation is for us to talk beaver sports, tailgating, and anything else we find interesting every week, and just generally, generally have some fun. All right, I want to remind everyone you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and any other podcatcher you might have. Get in touch with us, HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com, at HeinrichTailgator on Twitter, and also HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. All right, Beach, you ready to go into a little bit of sports news? Yes. I heard some good news about the, the men's soccer team this week. But we're starting out with women's volleyball. Oh, that's like, that's like, uh, what would you call that? The yin and the yang? Yep, and a lot of yang. <laughs> well, it gets my yang going. What do we got? All right, Beach. In front of Beaver Nation for its annual Dams Challenge match, Oregon State Volleyball suffered a 3-0 sweep to number 12-ranked UCLA in Gill Coliseum on Friday night. 
then on I, Sunday afternoon? I, I, I would just, I you know, the, those girls, I, God bless them. At least they're getting the scholarships. That's all I have to say. Well, be just, um, on Sunday afternoon in Gill, Beaver Volleyball took on Southern California and, and fell in three straight sets. So the B. Uh, like, uh, is this coach going to make it? I I think so. Okay. It's kind of kind of early. To, uh, this is only this coach's second or third year. And 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 honestly, it's not as high profile as like a football coach. No. Where you. Yeah. yeah. The bees are now four and twenty-two overall, two and fourteen in the Pac-12. Uh, they hit the road for the last time this season. This next weekend, traveling to both Washington schools on Friday and Sunday. Then the final regular season matches for Oregon State will be at home on November 24th and 26th uh, with senior night slated for Friday against the Ducks at 5. Hmm. Well, I won't be holding my breath on those. Yeah, because I know Oregon's ranked in the top 10 too. And Washington's ranked, and I'm not sure about Washington State, but I think they might be also. I'm sure Oregon's got the best money can buy. All right, Beeves, uh, we got a little bit of women's soccer news. Now, their season might be over, but freshman McKenna Martinez was named the Pac-12 second team and all-freshman team uh, the league announced last Friday. Martinez led the Beeves in scoring with 12 goals, including the game winners against Idaho, Central Connecticut State, and North Dakota in her debut season. Um, the forward started in all 19 games for the Beeves this year. Wow. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Impressive for his freshman. Very much so. All right, Beach, now what you were waiting for, some men's soccer news. Well, I mean, it's not like I was waiting for it. I mean, it's, you know, I, I'd much rather have visuals of the women's soccer team, but, you know, like to hear some positive news. So what All do we right. got? Well, Beach, the number one ranked Oregon State men's soccer team tied 2-2 two to two with number three ranked Washington to clinch its first ever Pac-12 championship title outright at Lorenz Field on Thursday. Now, Thursday's match marked the highest-rated matchup in Pac-12 history based on the United Soccer Coaches' rankings. The Beavs capped the regular season with a 12-2-3 record overall, 7-1-2 in the Pac-12. Now, earlier in the season, the Beavs edged past Washington 3-2 in Seattle. Now, Beach, Oregon State tied the game in the 88th minute to help send the game to overtime. And then during overtime... Uh, neither team was able to score, so it ended in the tie, giving Oregon State the league championship. The top five matchup drew a record crowd to Lorenz Field with 1,401 fans in attendance. Oregon State mm. also honored their seniors that night, Adrian Crespo, Tyrone Mondi, Tiki Nansambang, Sofane Jval, Joel Walker, Carlos Molnir, Adrian Fernandez, Alex Cover, Alex Salt, Caleb Etter, and Micah Craig. A few of those names sounded like they they uh, got the finger stuck in the typewriter. <laughs> I like uh, some of them are a little bit. I you know who I listen to? I listen to other sportscasters pronounce names. Yeah. And just emanate that. Yeah. One of the good ones is Parker on the radio for football or or basketball mm-hmm. or baseball. Yeah. One of my favorites was you know back in the early two thousands, Oregon State had a offensive lineman of Polynesian descent. And his name was mm-hmm. Brian Taliki Hifo. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Brian Taliki Hifo? 
Yes, I do remember that name. Yeah, you look at that name and you're like, how in the hell do I pronounce it? But I listened to Parker and picked it up pretty good. Hawaiian is always really tough to know what to emphasize. Exactly, exactly. Those... I guess you got to look at the vowels and you just got to go after the vowels. But yeah, yeah the, the Paul, Polynesian names are tough. They're, they're yeah. tough because you get lots of vowels. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Beach. So the men's soccer tournament selection show is actually scheduled first Monday, which will be last night after you hear this, but tomorrow night as we record this at 10 a.m. on ESPN. Hopefully, I record something and enter it now. The Oregon State men's soccer team is NCAA tournament bound, earning the number one overall seed and a first round bye, the NCAA announced during the selection show on Monday. As one of 16 teams are in a first round bye, the Beavs will open tournament action with a second round match on Sunday, November 21st in Corvallis, as they will host the winner of the St. John's uh, New York and Princeton match. Oregon State joins a, t- a field of 48 teams, having been one of 23 that qualified automatically by clinching their conference title. The first, second, third, and quarterfinal rounds will be held at campus locations beginning November 18th and running through December 4th. The Men's College Cup will be held in Cary, North Carolina, December 10th and 20th. Now, this marks the Orange and Black's third tournament appearance under head coach Terry Boss's direction and sixth in program history. The Beavs made the 2020 spring season's tournament, clashing with Virginia Tech in the second round, but eventually falling to the Hokies 2-1 in overtime. Back in Greensboro, North Carolina, on May 2nd. There you go. So there's where the Beavers play. Awesome. Awesome. Hopefully I remember to cut that in. Hopefully. We'll we'll see if it actually happens. All right, Beach. up next, we got a little cross-country news. Running in the the fields. What do they do, Billy? Where do they go? The Oregon State women's cross-country team, redshirt sophomore Kaylee Mitchell, punched her ticket to the NCAA cross-country championships after finishing 12th at the NCAA West Regional, hosted by Sacramento State in Sacramento on Friday. Mitchell and fellow redshirt sophomore Grace Featherstonehaw led the Beavs, placing 12th and 14th respectively to earn all-region recognition. The Oregon State women's cross-country team finished 7th in the team standings with 206 points. Now, Mitchell will compete at the NCAA championships in Tallahassee, Florida on November 20th. The women's 6K is scheduled for 7.20 a.m. Pacific. You know, Billy, when I was down at uh, Disney World last weekend, they were having the uh, annual food and wine. Uh, uh, 10K? Uh, 10K, yeah. Yeah, down at Disney and, World. Yeah, yeah. And so I started really thinking about this. And I said, so let me get this straight. You have to pay somebody money. For you to run and they're like yeah but we we get a we we get a medal at the end that's worth substantially less than the money you put in to run correct thought that, thought that was kind of interesting it's it's like reminds me of uh, when you uh when you play the carney games right yeah you, you have to give up five dollars try to knock the milk bottles down and, you know and if you do you win something substantially less than five dollars yeah so, yeah. Anyway, hey, find you, it kind of funny. You know, Je- Jess is running the 10K at the Disney World Marathon in January. Okay. Okay. Are you going down? No, I'm not. Okay. What's that? What's that? What's the 10K in January? What's its well? Uh, Je- uh, the Walt Disney World Marathon. They they uh, they hold a series of events. 
Mm-hmm. So I think this one was the wine and dine half. But okay. They usually have a 5K, a 10K, and a half. Now at the mm-hmm. marathon, they have a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, and a marathon. So usually okay. like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. How long is a marathon? 26.2 miles. Okay. Is it because they use kilometers? What? Is that why it's 26.2? No, because that's the distance of the marathon in Greece. Oh, really? You don't know where a marathon came from? I have no idea, Bill. I've never really cared to run. Not my well, thing. Yeah, but you don't you don't know why it's called a marathon? No, I have no idea, Billy. Why is it called a marathon? I've well, honestly I've never asked. I've never thought about it. Oh, that's I just I figured you would have known. Um, no, no. It's, so it's 26.2 miles. Billy, Billy, did you hear the reason why that they use the guns and the roses in, <laughs> in Terminator 2? I, I had not heard that. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. That's fun. Interesting. Running for fun and like looking into reasons why people have been running for decades and centuries. Don't really care. Stupid thing. I always go back to Back to the Future 3. You know, run for fun. So the name Marathon. the bar. The name Marathon comes from the legend of Phippides, the Greek messenger. The legend states that while he was taking part in the Battle of Marathon, he witnessed a Persian vessel changing its course towards Athens as the battle was near a victorious end for the Greek army. He interpreted this as an attempt by the defeated Persians to rush into the Greek capital and claim a false victory. Um... Hence, claiming authority over the Greek island. It is said that he ran the entire distance to Athens without stopping, discarding his weapons and even clothes to lose as much weight as possible, and burst into the assembly exclaiming, We have won, before collapsing and dying. So, wow. So, that's how far he ran was 26.2 miles. Okay. Yeah. So, that's why with the Olympics being based on Greek. Yeah, history, history. culture, yeah. culture, whatever you want to say. That that's where that distance came from. So then half my, half marathon is just half that thirteen point one. Okay. And I know with Disney, like if you run a combination, mm-hmm. like some people run like the five, the ten, the half, and the marathon. One of them's called like the Dopey Challenge, mm-hmm. and one of them's the Goofy Challenge. Okay. Yeah. So, and you get and you get medals for each of them. She's just running the 10k. Yeah. Well, and I, I hear you have some obscure Disney characters that like cheer you on along the way. Oh yeah. And you might get your picture taken with them and stuff like that. And you run through the parks. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, in Disney World, because she's run half marathons down in Disneyland, but that uh-huh. that one you're running a lot through the city of Anaheim itself, and they actually run through Angel Stadium. Okay. And she said that was cool because you're running through the stadium and there's like all sorts of like Cub Scout troops out there cheering you on. Mm-hmm. So she said that was pretty cool. But she's never won one. And, you know, she's got friends that live in Florida. And yeah. It gets her out of rainy, gloomy Oregon at the beginning mm-hmm. of January and into sunny, warm Florida. So, and she's wanted to run one for a while. She's trying to get me to go, but I just, I can't leave then. So. But yes, people okay. do play a lot of money. To run those events. Okay. Well, and, and I feel a little smarter now that I know where the uh, distance of a marathon comes yeah. from. Yeah. All right, Beach. All right. On to a little bit of wrestling news. All right, Billy. How, how are 
how are the the wrestlers doing this year? Well, Beach, Brandon Kaler and Hunter Willits each picked up wins, but the Oregon State team dropped a 32 to seven decision to number two Penn State Saturday at Spooky Nook. Spooky Nook. Spooky Nook. Okay. But they were number two. Yeah. Pretty good. Yep. At Spooky okay. at Spooky Nook. Spooky Nook. Yeah. Okay. Spooky Nook. Dude, dude, really, why do they call it Spooky Nook? Thank God, because I actually looked this up. I'm 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 <laughs> writing stuff down and I'm like, that SOB is gonna ask me what Spooky Nook is. <laughs> And then you weren't going there. Then you weren't going there. And I'm like, I should have just let it hang. Oh my God. That would have been awesome. I'm like, then I'm thinking like that SOB better ask me because I got it ready to go here. So Beach, Billy, Billy, why do they call it spooky duck? Well, Beach located just outside of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Spooky nook sports is the largest indoor sports complex in the United States. Providing, re- providing regulation courts and playing fields for more than a dozen sports under one roof. In addition to the 700,000 square foot indoor facility, the Nook offers an outdoor field hockey pitch and a climate controlled dome used for field hockey, soccer, football, and more. The Nook is the premier destination for clubs, tournaments, and competitions. Huh. It all has, it also the complex also has a hotel and several restaurants. Wow. Yep. The Nook also That's features. A a yep. The Nook. The Nook also features extensive recreational facilities, including a climbing center, fitness center, food court, arcade, as well as vent and meeting spaces. Hmm. Sounds like we need to take a road trip over there just to check it out. So there you go. So they've got ten maple hardwood courts used for basketball and volleyball, a sport court used for multiple sports, a rock, a 30-foot-tall rock gym, a clip-and-climb area with unique towers and obstacles for all ages, three 60-by-120 and two 120-by-200 enclosed turf fields, baseball and softball training center with full-size infield with room for outfielders, 14 batting cages, three pitching lanes, and 8,000 square feet of drill space, plus it just goes on and on. Freaking thing is huge. Oh, it's huge, yeah, yeah. Well, I, as, as I was writing things down, I'm like, what the hell is Spooky Nook? So and, you asked, too. Yeah, I did. And there's actually three of them. Three buildings? or No, three, there's three uh, different locations. So oh, that, really? Are that, they all called Spooky Nook? Yeah, that's the one in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. There's also one in um, Ham, or Lancaster. It's called Lancaster, but it's actually in Mannheim, Pennsylvania. There's one in, in, mm-hmm. in, in Hamilton, Hamilton, Ohio. And one in East Petersburg, Pennsylvania. Are these uh, privately owned or who owns them? I believe so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I tried huh, to find out have... I tried to find out where the name came from and I couldn't find that out. Okay. I was surprised we don't have something similar on the West Coast. Yeah. They're and they're huge and they're not that far. Yeah. You know, two in Pennsylvania and one in Ohio. Nope. So relatively that's, close. That's what I was thinking. That's 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 what I was thinking. I'm just surprised. Yep. So well, Beach. Yeah, I figured they'd be regionalized, like one in the north, one in the south, yeah. one in the west. Yeah. So. Well, Beach, uh, at Spooky Nook, Brandon Kaler won his 125-pound bout against Penn State's Baylor Shunk 16-9, and Willits scored a 19-6 major decision over Nittany Lions' Joey Bloomer. Oh. Then, Beach, um, at the... 
Journeyman Wrestling Defense Soap Collegiate Classic Sunday, also at Spooky Nook. Devin Turner, Grant Willits, Corey Crooks, Hunter Willits, Mason Rangshi, Mateo Olmos, and Jackson McKinney all went 2-1. and one. That event featured 13 teams, um, and it concluded the Beavs' two-day trip to Pennsylvania. Okay. Next up, the Beavs head to Iowa for a duel with the Hawkeyes on November 27th. That's going to be another tough one because Iowa normally has a top 25 ranked wrestling squad. Mm. Yep. Is there really uh, in the Pac-12? Is there any dominant uh, well uh, wrestling teams? Oregon State in the past has been pretty good. Usually, Stanford and Arizona State tend to be pretty good. Okay. But not a lot of teams in the Pac-12 field wrestling squads. So that's why you have other teams like, I believe, UC Davis is in the Pac-12 for wrestling. I believe Mm -hmm. Boise State is in the Pac-12 for wrestling. Okay. You get some of those. And why the lovely uh, University of Oregon is not. Correct. They do no longer have a wrestling team. Okay. All right. Well, what's next on the uh, itinerary, Billy? Next up, a little bit of women's basketball. The number 14 Oregon State women's basketball team got its season off to a strong start last Friday as the Beavs defeated Loyola Marymount 82-52 to a gill. Oregon State recorded 13 blocks in the game, too short of a program record. Talia von Olhoffen led the Beavs with 19 points and 5 steals. A.J. Marote recorded 15 points on 6-for-9 shooting in her Oregon State debut. And with the victory, Oregon State has now won 24 straight season openers. Wow. That's, That's impress- impressive. Exactly, because remember, they had some pretty lean seasons there uh, before uh, Ruit came in. Yeah. So there were, there was a few there where they weren't very good. How long has Ruit been there now? Well, let me look here. I want to say 2010, maybe? Has it been 11 years? How long? Hold on here. Okay. He is. Um, 2010, so 11 years. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. Yep. Seems like just yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and now the Beavs will be back at Gill Coliseum on Wednesday when California Baptist visits Gill Coliseum. Mm. So then we got a little bit of men's basketball news. Not as positive. Oregon State fell 60-50 to to Iowa State in its first road game of the season last Friday night at Hilton Coliseum, where Weath, Alatiche, and led the Beavs with eight points. Alatiche also added nine rebounds and four assists. Roman Silva and Jared Lucas each scored six points in the game. Now Iowa State scored the Beavs, outscored the Beavs 17 to one on fast break points, and 12 to five off points off of turnovers. So that mm. tells you right there, kind of the tail of the table why the Beavs did not win. Oregon State yep. will. What were we gonna say? Oh, nothing. I just said yep. Oregon State will next face the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes at 6 p.m. On Monday at the Donald W. Reynolds Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And then their next home game will be Thursday the thir- the 18th at 6 p.m. versus Samford. 
Sanford? Samford, S-A-M-F-O-R-D. Where's that? Are you kidding me? Well, Beach, Samford University is a private Christian university in Homewood, Alabama. In 1841, the university was founded as Howard College. Samford University describes itself as the 86th oldest institution of higher learning in the United States, and the university currently enrolls 5,758 students. Wow, Billy, it's it's like you're my own personal Google. It's almost like I was ready for you. Well, you know, I'm pretty transparent. I'm not very tough to figure yeah. out. I, I, I'm writing stuff down. I'm like, that SOB is going to ask me about this too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So, All righty. Hey, Billy. Yeah, B. You, you know, I didn't tell you this, but the TSA director took my telephone when I was bringing it back to Florida. Oh, really? Yeah, sons of bitches thought it was a bomb. Oh, my gosh. So... Yeah, I know. I called the kind of dipshit. <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. Billy! Yes, Beach. I think it was a brother of that jackass who was at the that led us into the beaver game last week. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, we, we almost need to break into that one. You know... <laughs> Did you see the dirty look he gave me? Oh, yeah, I did. So so the, we went through the same gate this week as we did, what, three weeks ago, where I called the guy the dipshit because the, the ticket wouldn't work. And uh, he gave me the look of death. I just I so badly wanted to tell him off, but I kept my mouth shut. <laughs> anyway. Oh, golly. Okay, Billy. Billy. Yes, me. This just in. Crazy f***ers are everywhere in Eugene. <laughs> Police advice to stay the hell away. <laughs> Here, hold, hold on. Okay. Three weeks ago, a man with a knife threatens a store employee after being confronted for not paying for power tools. A week ago Friday, an unknown man, an unknown man attacked Eugene woman as she left her business at 9 a.m. He hit her in the side of the head and jaw and knocked her to the ground. The Oregon Community Credit Union employees in Eugene were robbed at gunpoint two weeks ago. A man wearing a panda mask allegedly followed a Eugene, Oregon woman to her home and attacked her with a knife. Last Saturday, two people were arrested after a violent attack over face masks caught on video inside a Eugene, Oregon cookie shop. The two arrested were seeking a confrontation with the business owner over mask mandate rules. Around uh, 1 a.m. Tuesday, Eugene police officers were dispatched to the 900 block of Willamette after reports of a man who was armed with a knife uh, and menacing people. Uh, a man shot a firearm at a stranger after dispute over the use of a parking space late Wednesday morning. And a fleeing man was arrested on Saturday morning after the vehicle crashed and was repeatedly rammed into police cars before the driver was taken into custody. Jeez. So, stay the hell away from Eugene. Bunch of weird sons of bitches down there. Yeah. Yeah. And this has been your Heinrich Tailgater update from Eugene. I would say so. Oh well, my God! So I don't, I don't know about the dude with the panda mask. They didn't really have a whole lot on him. Yeah. Um, other than he just followed a woman home and attacked her in her, in her car. But the weird one was. If it the, wasn't the one so, made... if, if it wasn't so horrible, <laughs> it would be funnier. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The the one that was really weird, and it, it's nice that they caught the right people. So. 
this this couple goes in and they just look like a couple of pieces of crap, right? Mm-hmm. And they go into this cookie shop called like Crumble, Crumble, something? Crumble Cookies, yeah. But I think it was different. I think it was because that's a privately owned or that's a franchise, isn't it? Crumble. It might be a franchise. I know there's one in Corvallis now. Okay. Well, anyway, so the, this couple goes in there, and again. I don't care whether you agree or disagree with mask mandates. You know, I, I think half the business owners don't even care about them, but they have to protect their liability for lawsuit purposes, right? So they have to say, we did we did our best to mitigate the, the, the people getting sick. But this one here, the couple walks in recording. Like they walk into the cookie shop with one of them recording on the phone, okay? And they went in without masks on, and the, they refused the service. And then ultimately, they they started being belligerent. And the I don't know if it was the owner or manager or somebody he grabbed a baseball bat, pretty much told him to leave. Because I think they were being I didn't watch the whole video, but then they go out they they leave and then they go find the police and they show the video to the police and show how they were violently uh, attacked by the owner of the business. And the police arrested them. Arrested the people. The people with the video. Oh, good. Yeah. He said, I think they pretty much realized you guys were setting this up. You, you know, at least have the gall to not record when you open the door to the red, to the business. Yeah. It's called right? cr- crumb together. There we go. There we go. Yeah. yeah. I knew it wasn't crumble, but I knew it was crumb something. Yeah, crumb but together. Yeah. yeah. Just, just BS, you know? I mean, quit. I, you know, it's funny because I suddenly on my Facebook, I'm getting all of these stupid TikTok videos on there. Yeah. And and they're all freaking staged BS videos. Oh, I know. And, and it's like, really, this is what our society's become so damn narcissistic. Well, it kind of goes back to that one we talked about here a few weeks ago. I think we talked about it on here. Maybe it was just us and Greg, um, where that woman was raped on that subway train. Oh yeah. And everybody's more concerned about getting their video to live stream it or update it to their Facebook. Yeah, well, she's being assaulted. Stop- yeah. Yeah, the, as opposed to stopping the guy raping the woman on the oh, train. Oh, or, yeah. Or the bus. I can't remember if it's a train or a bus. I the train. Yeah. I mean, are you freaking kidding me? Is this where the hell the world's come to? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I lose faith in humanity every day. Yeah. So anyway, well, there you go again. Stay the hell away from Eugene. We've always known it. Us Beaver fans have always known that there's nothing good that happens in Eugene. And uh, now the police are getting more and more aware of it as well. There you go. All right, Beach, are you ready to go under further review for week number 11 in the Pac-12? After further review, the runner did cross the line. Touchdown. Yes, week number 11 in the Pac-12. Well, Beach, heading into the week, you were in the lead at 43 out of 59. I I, was in second place at 36 out of 59. And Kyle, I hate you, Kyle. Kyle was at 33 out of 59. Okay. Just getting utterly whooped. All right. First up, Beach, all the games were on Saturday, November 13th. First up, we have Mm -hmm. USC at Cal. USC at Cal. I'm looking for my notes here. I don't have them. I don't know what I did with my notes. 
Um, I think I took Cal. It doesn't matter who you took. And the Rock sees you took the time to make a little sign that says something about Hunter. What does your sign say anyway? It doesn't matter what your sign says! (laughs) (laughs) Why doesn't it matter, Billy? that, that, That was my Rock impersonation. You ever see when The Rock did that in wrestling? It doesn't matter what you think. No, it doesn't matter because the USC at Cal game was postponed until December 4th because of Cal's ongoing COVID issues. Oh, poor Cal. They didn't have enough they guys to they didn't have enough guys to play the game. Well, didn't they did they get did they lose last the week before because yeah. of the lack of well, because of COVID? Possibly. Yeah, because they lost Arizona. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. So. They yeah, didn't, we they, don't we don't know, but they didn't have enough guys this week, and so uh, they got they called USC and said, "Can we postpone the game?" And they said, "Yeah." So it's gonna be played December fourth. That's good because you know what? Nobody wins in a forfeit. No. You know no. The, the, the 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 I mean, I guess one team does, but the fans don't win. No. The teams never get to play. Yeah, let's let the guys play, and they're neither team's yeah. gonna be in the Pac-12 championship, so perfect opportunity so to play. To get one extra play, one extra yep. game. Or nice. get, 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 get in that game that you're, yeah, that you're owed. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. Up next, Beach, we had Utah at Arizona. Utah at Arizona. And I, I don't mean to uh, make a – I'm going to make an assumption here on this one because, again, I lost my list. But I'm pretty sure all three of us took Utah. Craig Beach, Utah quarterback Cameron Rising threw for 294 yards and two touchdowns. T.J. Pledger ran for 119 yards and two touchdowns. And Utah maintained its lead in the Pac-12 South by beating Arizona 38-29 to on Saturday. But, Beach, it was a hard-earned win for the Utes. Arizona led for part of the first half and kept the game tight all afternoon. Now, Rising's perfectly placed 17-yard touchdown pass to Dalton Kincaid in the back corner of the end zone late in the third quarter gave the Utes a 31-20 to lead and some semblance of control in the back-and-forth game. But Arizona responded with a field goal, cut the advantage to 31-23. And then the Wildcats scored again when Nazar Bombada blocked a Utah punt and Reddy Short recovered before scoring a three-yard touchdown to pull within 31-29 with about 10-30 left. The Wildcats' two-point conversion to tie was unsuccessful. But Utah finally closed the game with a methodical 15-play, 75-yard drive that lasted more than eight minutes and was capped off by Pledger's two-yard touchdown run with two ten left. So, so Arizona me, gave did, a fight. Yeah, did you watch for this game at all, or see the highlights? I, I've just seen I've just seen highlights of it. Okay, I was just curious. Did did Arizona look good, or did you did uh, Utah look uh, distracted? You didn't. Utah didn't look horrible, and Utah and Arizona looked okay. They just uh, they've been playing better the last few weeks. Remember, they gave they gave Oregon um, a little bit of a, of a push. Yeah, they there, did. there's been a couple games where they've gotten absolutely rolled this year, mm-hmm. but there's been a lot of games where they've been in it or at least keeping it keeping it close. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. So we all picked up the win there. Up next, Beach, Arizona State at Washington. Okay, I think all of us picked ASU on this one. No, you picked ASU. Kyle and I took UW. Oh, really? Well, Beach, with the rain pouring and several seasons' goals slipping away, Arizona State put it in low gear Saturday night with a 20-play, 81-yard drive that consumed more than nine minutes and almost all of the problem plagued Washington's resolve. Quarterback Jaden Daniels capped the drive with a five-yard touchdown run, 
to cut Hus- the Husky lead to 24-21 to midway through the fourth quarter. Richard White rushed for 184 yards and two scores and completed the comeback with a 10-yard touchdown run with one minute and 11 seconds left. Now Merlin Robinson put the game away with a pick six with 37 seconds left. Washington did run three plays um, and ended up kicking a, a field goal to make it tighter, but uh, mm-hmm. but um, uh, they they still won. They were good. Did they go for an onside kick then at the end? Uh, there wasn't enough time left. Okay. There, there, I, I, I believe they did, but there was only three seconds left. So yeah, it would take a, it would take a, a real act of, of God to make it all come together. Exactly. Exactly. Gotcha. Wow. And have you heard the news, Beach? No. Well. They fired their coach? Washington on Sunday fired second-year football coach Jimmy Lake. Defensive coordinator Bob Gregory will serve as the interim coach for the 4-6 and six Huskies. Now, Washington Athletic Director Jen Cohen said in a statement, quote, Making a head coaching change in any sport is difficult, recognizing that the decision impacts coaches, staff, and student-athletes and their families. However, as a steward of UW Athletics, I must always act in the best interests of our student-athletes, our department, and our university. No one wanted Jimmy to succeed more than I when I hired him in 2019. But ultimately, this change is necessary for a variety of reasons, both on the field and off. Now, Beach, Lake's firing comes on the heels of his serving a one-game suspension without pay on Saturday following that sideline incident last week in which he appeared to strike redshirt freshman linebacker Ruperik Fuavi during a 26-16 loss to Oregon. Mm-hmm. But, Beach, on Saturday, the Seattle Times, citing five anonymous players, reported that Lake faced another allegation that he was physical with a player during halftime of a game against Arizona in 2019. Hmm. Now, it's unclear what role the two altercations played in Lake's dismissal, but according to the school, Washington will honor the terms of his contract. He is owed, he is owed roughly $9.9 million pending any offsets from future earnings. So if another team hires him, uh-huh. whatever they pay him is deducted from what, Washington, yeah, from what Washington pays him. Gotcha. So. So if someone else pays him nine point nine million for the rest of it, then that's all. All he's getting is nine point nine million. Do 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 you think that they they um, sometimes they release some of this information, this dirt, to help justify their claim of termination? Like, is it just convenient that it comes out all at the same time? I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, like yeah. they just keep it in a file. We're gonna keep this. We're gonna suppress this until it's convenient for us. Possibly, you know, and he's only coached. I mean. He coached what and, four games last season and nine well, games and this to, season. To me, they didn't even give him a chance to really get his players and his system going yet. I mean, yeah. if every team did this, you'd never have a coach last past two years. No, he, he well, and last year he, they only played like four games. I mean, they were literally like his record is like six and seven Be, because of the COVID because yeah. Of Rona, they, yeah, and then he didn't coach this week. I. I... <laughs> Yeah, it yeah. just it, it, it and, blows and, me away. And, and, and isn't it true that like a lot of times too, this I mean I love how the he the the AD it was the AD who was making that speech. Yeah. Okay, I I love it how they make it sound so sophisticated and 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 official and everything like that. And essentially, what you got is you probably got some really heavy 
financial boosters in the university saying, get rid of that son of a bitch. He's losing too many games. Probably. We'll, 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 we'll pay you the cash. We'll give you the, the $9 million to cover his contract, but we want to win. We're tired of represent, being represented by a bunch of losers. Yep, and he lost to Oregon. Right. Mm-hmm, yep. So the real question is how they're going to do it. I mean, because, I mean, honestly, we're not there yet in our conversation, but we really need them to win the Apple Cup. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll wait and see. Okay. All right, Beach, so you picked up the win there. Kyle and I did not. Up next, Colorado at UCLA. Ooh, I think I took bitch tits on this one, didn't I? All three of us did. Okay. UCLA Zach Charbonneau had three rushing touchdowns for the second time this season. Dorian Thompson-Robinson racked up 356 yards of total offense, and UCLA became bowl eligible for the first time in four years under Chip Kelly with a 44-20 victory over Colorado on Saturday night. Now, Charbonneau had all of his scores in the second half as the Bruins rallied from a 20-7 second quarter deficit with 37 straight points. UCLA is the fifth team from the Pac-12 to become bowl eligible. It's also the first time in Chip Kelly's tenure. Now, Nicholas Barmira's 40-yard field goal on the last play of the first half got UCLA within 10 at halftime before it scored touchdowns on four straight drives and added another Kyle Phillips 82-yard punt return to make it 44-20 in the fourth quarter. Okay. So we all picked up the win there. And the last game that we picked for the week, Beach. I kind of a little irritated that uh, they became ball eligible, but I I guess that's just, they're the South, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Last game that we picked this week, Beach, Washington State at Oregon. Okay, and I I think I picked uh, Wazoo on this one, I believe. You and Kyle both did. I picked Oregon. Hmm. Okay. And we all know how this one turned out. Well, Beach, behind a dominant ground game, number three Oregon beat Washington State 38-24 to on Saturday. The Ducks rushed for 306 yards and outscored the Cougs 24-10 in the second half. Oregon quarterback Anthony Brown totaled two touchdowns, threw for 135 yards, and rushed for 123. Now, with the win, the Ducks improved to 9-1 overall and 6-1 and in the Pac-12. Washington State dropped to 5-5 five and 4-3, five and and respectively. Um, the... Um... Wazoo put up a good fight. I, I, they, they were pretty strong in the first half, weren't they? Yeah, it was tied 14-14 at halftime. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they seem. I was listening to it on the radio on my way home from the game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I will have to say I was listening to the Oregon broadcast on my drive home. Uh-huh. And the typically I get annoyed by their broadcasters because they always seem such homers. Yeah, you know what I mean. I understand they're they're they you 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 play to your audience. I mean, I don't don't get me wrong. I understand you got to play to your audience, but a lot of times they're really really they're they're brutal. Uh, yeah, and and for the the for first part that I was listening to them on, they were actually fairly decent. I know I was listening to the better 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 than better than some. Yeah, I was listening to them on, on on my drive home later Saturday. Uh-huh. And it's always funny. I Jerry Allen, who's their lead announcer, he always annoys me 
because I, I, I've just listened to so many of their games on the radio over the over the years, and something happening is like, oh, pass over the middle. It's dropped. No, wait, it's caught. No, it's intercepted. And it's like, what are you watching, dude? What game are you watching? First you tell me it's dropped, and then it's caught. But no, it's intercepted. I'm like, what? Is this ball just ping-ponging all over the place? Like, what the hell? And it happens all the time. Yeah, but I will say that on last night when I was driving home, um, uh, Oregon's quarterback uh, was running towards the end zone. He got tackled right at the goal line and fumbled the ball. Mm-hmm. And the ball was called a fumble, picked up by Washington State, and run back out to the 50-yard line. And it was reviewed, and the play stood. And I will have to say, they looked at it, and they're like, you know, I, I can't really tell from any angle if, the, if he crossed the goal line or if he did fumble it. And when the call came out that the play stood, they're like, yeah, you know what? It probably should have stood because that's what they called on the field. And I think if it would have been called a touchdown, that probably would have stood too because you really can't tell either way from any of the replays. And I was like, wow, that's very even-handed of you guys. Thank you for being honest about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I felt when I was listening to them, that they were – and again, don't didn't listen to the whole game, but for the first part, they were they were fairly even. Yeah. They were complimentary to some of the, the, the Wazoo uh, drives and, and uh, defensive plays. And I'm like, wow, this just doesn't seem like them. I, I don't know what – maybe we caught them on an off night. I don't know. I don't know. It's actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it didn't make me vomit, so that was good. Yeah, so I picked up the win there. So, after week 11. Our gap is staying the same, except Kyle seems to be losing ground a little bit. He did less ground. He is at now 35 out of 63. I am at 39 out of 63, and you are at 46 out of 63. And part of mine the last couple weeks is I've been taking chances. Mm-hmm. trying to like you dub remember the you dub this week i'm like i'm gonna take you dub because you took arizona state and i gotta try yeah. and make some ground so yeah well that, and I, I that strategy wazoo. ain't I, working no well and i i picked wazoo i probably should have picked oregon um but i really thought wazoo had some confidence and might be able to do something with well, their aerial attack and they gave and, them they uh, gave them a fight they gave them a fight towards till towards yeah the and, and, and and oregon's not dominating by any stretch no not at so, all. so yeah not at all all right, so that's enough for this week. But we've got one more game to talk about, Beach. Stanford at Oregon State. It's a great game, Billy. It was a great game. So Chance Nolan passed for 257 yards and two touchdowns and ran for a score, leading Oregon State to a 35-14 win over Stanford on Saturday. Now the victory makes Oregon State bowl eligible for the first time since 2013, and it snapped an 11-game losing streak against the Cardinals. Now, Nolan completed 19 of 25 passes, including a 67-yard touchdown to Trevon Bradford that increased the lead to 21-0 early in the third quarter. Now, injuries have taken a toll on Stanford, which has lost five games in a row for the first time under coach David Shaw. Stanford quarterback freshman Ari Patu struggled to get the Cardinals' passing game going in his first career start, completing 7 of 14 for 51 yards with a touchdown and an interception before leaving midway through the third quarter with an undisclosed injury. Now, Stanford used three quarterbacks during the game. Oregon State's defense made strides after giving up a total of 76 points in its previous two games, which were losses at Cal and Colorado. Smith fired defensive coordinator Tim Tibisar last Sunday, handing the reins over to linebackers coach Trent Bray on an interim basis. The Beavers forced three turnovers this week, including interceptions by safety 
Jaden Grant, and quarterback Rajon Wright. Stanford was limited to a total of 230 yards for the game. The Beavs, who amassed 475 total yards, opened the scoring in the first quarter on Nolan's four-yard touchdown run, capping a 16-play, 74-yard drive. And Jack Coletto's two-yard touchdown run on a direct snap with 17 seconds left in the first half gave the Beavs a 14-0 advantage at the break. Stanford managed just 74 yards in the opening half. Um, why would, did they go through three different quarterbacks? Were they just trying to see if well, any of the different offensive options would work? Well, after they, and I actually that what I everything I read said three quarterbacks, but I believe they used four. Uh huh. Let me go back and check because I'm because pretty sure they used because, four. Well, the, the, and actually, it kind of kicked him in the butt because they brought in the one guy who was supposed to be specialized in the option. Yep. And uh, that ended up costing him a turnover. Yeah. Um, so you had, um, three guys. Okay. So, okay. No, so it was just three. They only used three because Patu was number 11. So okay. you had Patu, you had Plots, and then you had Sanders. Sanders was number zero. He was the big guy that was, uh, more running the, 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 the uh, triple option. Then you had Plots mm-hmm. who, um, was the one that was throwing the ball more, and, and I think threw an interception. Gotcha. But yeah, it was just kind of weird. Yeah, it just it looks like they're struggling this year. I've always liked Coach Shaw. I, I do too. Um, I think he's a great coach. Yeah, I've I've always really uh, enjoyed watching him coach. Um, yeah, you know when watching uh, Stanford on TV and stuff. Yeah. I just um, I've I I don't know. I've always just I've I've always respected the man. Mm-hmm. You know. He just always seems like he's pretty level-headed. Uh, when he caught to Stanford, he really turned that team around. Well, he, he took don't... over after Harbaugh was there, and Harbaugh had that team going pretty well. That's true. That's true. But, I forgot Harbaugh. But he it really – Har- Before Harbaugh, they weren't very good, correct? I mean, they kind of looked down upon football. Correct. Harbaugh brought him up, and then Shaw just kind of kept up and and continued on with the full steam ahead. And, and they've, they've always been in the top third of the pack, I think, oh, since yeah. he's been there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, if, I mean, been... if you can be in the – yeah, if you can be in the top four teams, you're doing pretty well. And they were always in the top four. Yeah. So, but this year is just a down year. Yeah. Between injuries, I don't think they have the talent they've had in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder how tough, uh, you know, we haven't talked about this, but I wonder how tough the recruiting has been um, through the COVID thing. I mean, how, how was recruiting? You didn't have much high school football going on last year. No. You know? And um, well, and then the so weird... how, did that, how did that factor into to be being able to know what your top talent is and, and to recruit? Yeah, well, and... but you've been recruiting guys before that, so you've got to know something. But also, too, with the transfer rules, mm-hmm. you know that, that's big too, because yeah. guys guys can transfer. All right, Beach. So great yeah. great game by the Beavs. Fun, entertaining game to watch. As dominant as the Beavs were in that first half. They should have led more than 14 to nothing. Absolutely. They should have led more. They should have probably led 28 to nothing. I, I felt we were a little weak on offense, but I thought defense did a fantastic job. Yeah, offense just wasn't um, very consistent. Yeah. We've seemed to lack that all year so far. Mm-hmm. We've had a couple games where we, we've, we've, we're hitting on all cylinders, but then um, I feel like this, this last week uh, we, were, we were running on more cylinders, but we're still having a miss there. So – Yep, a great game. Great tailgater. 
Fantastic tailgate. You know, it always amazes me how many people love Sausage Fest. Oh, that's great. Those are good sausages. Yeah. Good sausages. They are good. We had new uh, some some listeners come out to the tailgater for the first time. So I met so, some new listeners. That was great. Hello to you awesome. out there. And anyone that listens, you're more than welcome to come to the tailgater. Yeah, you know, we welcome everybody. Tell, tell yeah, and Billy really appreciates it when you uh, let his wife know that you're a listener. Exactly. So. Cause my, yeah. cause Jess has no, she hasn't understand any of you people while you listen to us. <laughs> I do too. I wonder too, but that's all right. Uh, I, I get an hour bonding with my brother every week. Yeah. We just like so, getting, getting on the phone and talking. Yeah. So all right, Beach, anyway, you ready to talk about the pack 12 in the polls? Oh yes. How, how, uh, please tell me Oregon's didn't move up at all. Well, Beach and the AP poll. Oregon moved up one spot to number three. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> and Utah. You know, people people must think we talk beforehand on this crap. <laughs> we don't talk about a lot, actually. Um, no, we and, don't talk about crap. No. Freaking go in this thing and raw dogging it. Yep. Uh, and uh, Utah entered the, the poll at number 24. Okay. And well, in the, I'm hoping number 24 takes out number three. And in the AFCA coaches poll, Oregon moved up one spot to number five. Mm -hmm. And Utah re-entered the poll at number 25. Okay. And Arizona State is in the others getting votes category. They got two votes this week. Mm. So it must be their coach and somebody else voting for them. Mm. And let's see. In the... College football rankings. Now, this is going to be last week's. When you hear this, the new ones will probably be out. Oregon moved up a spot to number three. So it's Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State in the top four spots. And they do a playoff for the, the top two, right? Correct. So right now, Georgia would play Ohio State and Alabama would play Oregon. I just, again... Uh, Oregon's winning the games. Uh, I, I have no doubt that if they continue to win, they should represent the Pac-12 North. But their wins have not been convincing. Other than an Ohio State win. Yeah, that one was 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 good. But in the Pac-12, they're not convincing. And if there's no other Pac-12 teams in the national rankings, how are they at the top? Yeah, I I, I just I, I the, guess that's the team that's kind of getting screwed is Ohio State at number five, who's nine and zero, and three of the teams above them are all eight and one. And and that's because they started low. Yeah, and they're and they're uh, not in a Power Five conference. They did beat Notre Dame, but you know now and where's Notre Dame in that? Uh, Notre Dame is at. Let me see. Right now they are at number nine. So okay, but number eight Oklahoma lost. So yeah, well, who is it? That no, was watching something. Is it Purdue? Took is that Purdue took him out? Uh, Purdue's been a, a giant. No, player. Baylor took out Oklahoma. Oh, Baylor. Okay, and we will be talking it, about it, that per- next. Okay. Yeah. Ohio State still has to play Michigan. Michigan's number six in the poll. Ohio State's four, so there could be some movement there. But we'll wait and see. Now, Georgia, 
probably won't play Alabama until the SEC championship game. So one of those two, two, two teams, they will probably both go in. Georgia undefeated, Alabama with one loss, but they should play each other. So hmm. someone will take another loss there. So there's still some movement that can happen. But Okay. All right, Beach. It is now time for the Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. <laughs> jackass of the Week Award. Every week we like to discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. And actually, Beach, I was thinking about giving a jackass a week of the award to a soccer coach. Dude, I was thinking you should give it to a freaking uh, ba- female basketball player. You know what? I saw that. I saw. I don't know if anyone else has seen that, and it was a. I don't even know. Is it high school or? I think it was high school. I don't even know if it's high school because it looked like it was some kind of. No, I think it was high school, but it might have been JV. But it was it was a high school uh, girls basketball game, and it was the daughter of a former NBA player. Uh, uh, oh. What was his last name? No, it's not just a former NBA player. Oh, what is he? Played for the Bulls. Yes, but he played somewhere before he played for the Bulls. So it was a 15-year-old girl. Let's so see. can I do the description of the story, Billy? Well, here, I'll do it. Uh, it's just a youth basketball game in Garden Grove, California, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Which I would assume is not a, a, a low-end neighborhood. No. It just said that it looks like so the, the one girl – Essentially, the the mother in the stands, this this one girl's mother, is yelling, "Are you gonna you gonna hit her or something like that? You need to hit her." Yeah. And so the daughter goes running over to the opposing player and just freaking cold cocks her. Yeah. Like not even in the point of play, not anything. The girl just beelines it right over to her and just just wails on. I mean, just popped her right in the face. Yeah, like kind of almost in the throat. Yeah, the girl didn't even see it coming. It goes straight to the ground and doesn't really move that much. Oh, no. And then the refs start coming over. And, I mean, it was just I, – I watched it like five times. I'm like, when I was trying to figure out what would possess this girl to do it. And then when I read the uh, her dad's comment, he's like, you know, she this this isn't this isn't her. And, and I apologize on behalf of her mother and her. And we are going to have a conversation about this. And I guess they, uh, they, the parents called the uh, the authorities on it. They should. So they're going to, they're going to charge her with assault. They should. Um, yeah. And uh, but what kind of mother goes and yells at your daughter saying you, you're going to you need to you need to hit her? Yeah. What what the hell? And and I mean, yeah, just unbelievable. Yeah. So so if you guys if you guys have a chance what what who was it again Billy because they can Google this and watch well, the video Corey Benjamin that's that's the dad okay have you Googled and, Corey uh, Benjamin yet No I've never I I just saw the article but I didn't Google him a, a great deal what was the what's his background other than he played for the Bulls and then he he played he played college ball for Oregon, Oregon State. State correct really yep wow. So, yep. What you want to read his statement? Do you see it there? I don't. I I I, I closed the window. 
Okay. Okay. But anyways. Yeah. But so I, it could have been for that. It, it could have mm-hmm. been to the uh, UCLA uh, men's soccer coach who got real pissed at the end of the game, refused to go out and shake hands mm-hmm. uh, with with uh, Oregon State. Um, so I guess he got into it with fans, but I can't find any reporting of the incident. All I've got okay. is all I've got is uh, some comments from Beaver fans. So okay. he might have been pissed because Oregon State was kind of stalling towards the end of the game because they were tied. They didn't need to win. They just a tie and they mm-hmm. won the way they won the the, the Pac-12 championship. They knew they were going to a tie is a win to them, so that's what they played for. Exactly. Um, and yeah. I guess he got a little pissed, which, hey, dude, you know, if you're in that position, you're going to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, why move fast? It doesn't benefit us. Yeah. So, but I try to keep this to college football. So we're going to give it to a couple of different people, to a couple different groups. We're going to give it to the head coach of the Baylor Bears. Right, we're gonna okay. Dave, Dave Aranda. We're gonna give it to the head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners, Lincoln Riley, and we're gonna give it to the Baylor fans. What happened? Well, Beach, Baylor fans were so excited that their number thirteen Bears were gonna beat number eight Oklahoma that they stormed the field twice on Saturday. Now, assuming that the game was over, throngs of fans who'd been perched on the walls waiting for the final seconds to tick off the clock rushed the field. Not realizing that Baylor coach Dave Aranda had called a timeout with three seconds left, up 24 to 14. That's kind of a jackass move. Aranda's reasoning? He wanted to get additional points in case there was a tie among two lost teams in the Big 12 title race. Because point differential between teams is the third tiebreaker in the league's rules. After, after a long delay, including the public address announcer imploring fans to leave the field, the Bears' Isaiah Hankins added a 32-yarder as time expired for the 27-14 victory. And the fans ran back to the center of the field to celebrate. Now, on on this day, Beach, when the Sooners' 17-game win streak ended and they were likely eliminated from the college football playoff race, none of it sat too well with Oklahoma coach Lincoln Riley. He said, said, quote, it became a safety issue. I know why Dave tried to kick the field goal. I don't agree with it. And I still think, above all else, there's a code of sportsmanship that I believe in. I wouldn't have done it, but that's his decision. That's his football team. How the officials don't enforce a 15-yard penalty when you probably got 5,000 people on the field is unbelievable to me. It is what it is. That's his decision. That's the official's decision. I don't agree with it. Now, Rhonda said he pondered the tiebreaker decision early in the week and decided when Kennedy Brooks scored on a one-yard run with 226 left in the game that he wanted to try and add more points. He said, we wanted to get it back on the scoreboard to help with that differential. You have some two lost teams. We want to be in that position. Now, Riley said he saw Oklahoma linebacker David Uguebu get, quote, just bum-rushed by three guys. So, Beach, Riley sent Oklahoma's team to the locker room during the delay. He said he considered telling all the players to leave without having any on the field for the final play. He said, I did tell them that, and I don't know, 
Maybe I should have done it. You know, I just don't believe this situation was handled well by a lot of people. Doing it with class is important to me, and at the end of the day, that's why we decided to bring 11 guys out, even though deep down I'm dad sh- I damn sure didn't want to do it. So you're giving him the jackass of the week award? We're too? giving to well, okay. First of all, obviously we're going to give it to the head the coach fans. of Baylor. Well, yeah. we're giving it to the head coach of Baylor because you call a timeout with three seconds left to kick a field goal in a game you're already up by ten points. That's mm-hmm. a jackass move. Saying, well, we want to get point differential up. Well, then you know what? Score the damn points during the meat of the game when it when it matters. Yep. To call a field goal to run one extra play when you're actually putting guys in jeopardy of getting hurt, mm-hmm. that's jackassery at its finest. Also mm-hmm. to the fans, because quit rushing the damn field. Well, didn't we talk about this? That's a, Is that a fight in their uh, conference, I don't too? know about the Big 12. Okay. But, yeah. you know, And wait till the goddamn game's over. How hard well, is that? It- and... Aranda should have realized it when he saw the fans perched up on the wall. Well, why didn't the uh, why didn't the um, the refs, the refs should have thrown a flag and moved him back 15 yards? And then that would have taken him out of field goal range. More likely. than likely. And I, I'm I'm with I'm with the the coach uh, on that one. Yeah. Which is which is why didn't they penalize him? Yeah. But I also don't like how Riley handled the situation. He just should have said nothing. Look, that's what they did. There should have, I think there should have been a penalty thrown, but it is what it is. Well, what do you think about that? He runs his football team. I run mine. Just take the high road. But when you say, well, yeah. I don't believe this was handled well, but we're, we're trying to bring some class to it. If you're saying you're trying to be classy, you ain't being classy. Yeah. So that's why everyone this week, Baylor, Oklahoma, and the Baylor Flans, you all get this week's. Jackass of the Week Award. No, I just thought it was handled crappily. That's crap. Yep, yep. Because I was like, I, I wouldn't throw Riley in, Riley Lincoln or uh, Lincoln Riley in there, but then I'm like, dude, quit saying how class you are. Don't, don't, just say, you know. That's you got to say if you got to say it, you aren't. Exactly. He runs his team. I run mine. This is what we did. So I wouldn't have cared if he didn't send his players back out there. No, I think it would have been look, better off. I would have said, look, the game was over. We, uh, we didn't feel that we needed to send anyone out there in harm's way with all those fans on the field and just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Cause people would go, dude, I don't blame you. Yeah. So I well, think because you got a, you got a bunch of young drunk fans. I mean, I'm, I'm with you there. I mean, I always get worried when you see people in the on the field. Oh, I agree. And the other team hasn't exited yet because there's. I mean, what, what wasn't it? Was it three, four, five years ago when that guy cold cocked that one player? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, because it's 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 amazing how much liquid courage a bunch of dumbasses have. Yeah, pretty much. So. All right, Beach. Let's on move on to our musical interlude of the week. My pick this week. Yeah, I'm and, kind of excited to hear what you picked. Well. The Beavs are going bowling. Uh-huh. I'm feeling good. Okay. I wanted a feel-good song. Okay. So I went back and checked. This album comes from 1991 from a band that we've done a lot of music from, but we've never done this song. Okay. The album, 
For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, the song, Top of the World. Love this song. So Top of the World is a song written by Van Halen for their 1991 album, For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. It's one of six singles issued for the album and spent four non-consecutive weeks at the top of the Billboard album rock charts in the U.S., becoming their eighth number one on this chart. It was the only single off the album to crack the top 40 on the Billboard Hot 100, peaking at number 27. Which is crazy that right now didn't. That, that's what I'm surprised, because that one got a lot of play on MTV. Yes, it did, and also on rock stations, but not the Billboard Hot 100, oh, which, okay. which is more pop okay. stuff. So Beach, gotcha. so Beach, the main guitar riff from Top of the World is actually mm-hmm. carried over from the closing guitar background riff from 1984's Jump. Really? Yes. But Beach, the the riff was actually first played live on the Van Halen 1979 World Tour during Dance the Night Away. I'll be doggone. So as Eddie was noodling on stuff during those solos. That's where it first came from. Okay. Now, Vulture.com, which take that for what it's well, ranked it as the 37th best Van Halen song, commenting that, quote, Hagar's fingerprints and particularly noticeable both in mood and aesthetic. So he's just mm-hmm. saying it's a very hagar song, which I agree. Yeah, yeah, it's a very Dan Hagar song. Yeah. It's just very positive and uplifting. Now, mm-hmm. uh, this was also one of the first Van Halen songs to feature the use of the wah-wah pedal. Okay. Yep. The song also features Toto lead guitarist Steve Lukather on background vocals. Yeah. So he's adding additional vocals. Wow. Okay. Now, this is the last Fair, song. Apparently, Michael Anthony couldn't do it all, huh? Well, he was doing it, but Steve Lukather actually does a lot of studio work with different bands you'd be surprised okay sometime look him up he 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 helps write a lot of songs he plays on a lot of songs and he adds backing vocals on a lot of songs Mm -hmm. now this is the last song on the album and it was also the last song played during live shows following jump so they would play jump and then this to close out shows the song was played on the 1995 Balance Ambulance Tour and the ill-fated 2004 Reunion Tour. Ill-fated? Well, but... because it didn't end well between, okay. between the Van Halen brothers and Sammy Hagar. So here, right. without any further ado, is Top of the World by Van Halen. <laughs>
huge van halen fans Same. you know and i can i i can go pretty much through every album and three quarters of every album i love with the exception of probably van halen three uh there's only a couple songs on that album that i like i agree uh yeah other than that i'm 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 down with almost all van halen van halen three is not the third van halen album because they had van halen one van halen two van halen three is actually the album that came out with gary sharon as the lead singer yeah, and there's uh, like Dirty Water Dog. On That's that a great one. song. Yeah. yeah, I like Dirty Water Dog. There's there's about two or three songs on there that I can I I I will occasionally play just because I feel like I need some Van Halen three. Correct. Um, because it's a little different. You know, I, I kind of have the same feeling on Van Halen three, uh, that I do on um, oh shoot, uh, Motley Crue, the the self titled Motley Crue album with uh, when, the different lead singer. When, yeah. Yeah, uh, there's actually, even though that, that's, a, that's a fantastic album, though. Yeah, yeah. I like uh, Van Halen 3. I really like Without You. Mm-hmm, that's a good I, one. And I, like, and I like Dirty Water Dog. Yeah. And then I kind of like the one that... Uh, that uh, Eddie sings on? Eddie, Eddie sings on, yeah. How, how Many Say I? Yep. yep. It's, it's, a little, it's a little weak, but I appreciate his effort. Yeah. So, and and the fact that it's... it's, it's yeah. You know, I... Uh, I sometimes think about uh, uh, Joe Perry always sings one song on every uh, Aerosmith album. Yeah. Writes and sings one song and not always a big fan of Joe Perry, but again, appreciate his efforts. Yep. Yep. So he's out there exposed himself doing what he wants to do and, and the band supports minute. So. Yeah. All right, Beach. It is now time to go after week 12. Only, only two weeks left in the season. It's crazy. I know week 12. But we get three. We should get three games though. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have bonus football. Yes. Um, week twelve in the Pac-12. First speed, we have one game February nineteenth. Excuse me, Friday, November nineteenth. We have Arizona at Washington State. Now, like you said, Beach, we're, we're you're kind of alluded to this earlier. So the Beavs, you know, you know my goal for the Beavs every year: win more games than you lose. That- Mm-hmm. Go to a bell, go to a, go to a bowl game, go to the best bowl game you can and win it. So the Beavs now are pretty close to winning more games than they lose, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yep, they're eligible for a bowl game. Now we want to get a better bowl game. So and what I consider the best bowl game is still a possibility. But it's an outside shot. 
it's it's a shot. I wouldn't say outside, but it's a shot. So what the Beavs need is they need Washington State to take another loss, either this week or next week. Okay. They need Utah. Oregon. They need Utah to win this week. Mm-hmm. And Oregon State needs to win their next two games. If that happens, the Beavs would be in the Pac-12 championship. Okay. So we could call that a trifecta. That would be the trifecta. Okay. So, so we need a trifecta. Yep. And two of the trifectas are going to be decided this week. Yep. Two of the three of the trifecta. Correct. Okay. All right. So and Beach, so our, our our hope is Wazoo needs to either drop this game or the next game. Yep. This game or the Apple Cup next week. Mm-hmm. Um You know, I'm going to go with Wazoo. I know that's not what I want to happen, but again, we've had this conversation. You go for who's going to win, not who you want. Yep. Well, Kyle says it takes some mental fortitude to get on a plane to Tucson to fly to Pullman in November for a game you know you're going to lose. Bear down, but Wazoo wins. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take Arizona. Of course you are. I'm going to take Arizona. Mm-hmm. That's what you're going to do. All right. You got you, you got to you got to somehow hope that I tank it and you win over the next two weeks. And I hope Arizona State wins that or Arizona wins that game. Well, if they do, all the better. Yep. All right, Beach. But I think it's going to be damn tough for some Arizona players to be playing in Pullman in November, though. I'm with well, Kyle. And so, and so for you, Beach, it's a win either way. Yeah. Yeah. All right, up next, all the games are on Saturday, November 20th. Up first, Washington at Colorado. Washington at Colorado. Ooh. Hmm. (laughs) I think I'm going to pick Colorado only because I want Washington to uh, save that win for the next game. Kyle says, Buffs stop another Pac-12 North team, Buffs win. I'm going to take UW because I think they're going to start playing even better. Without a coach? Yep. All right, next up, UCLA at USC. So the Crosstown rivalry for the Victory Bell. Mm, The Victory Bell. Mm. Um, Yeah, we're going to take UCLA. Kyle says, UCLA wins the victory bell. I'm going to take USC. Of course you are. <laughs> I'm going for broke this week, Beach. I know. I know. It totally falls out. I appreciate that. I know. All right. I, USC's got great, great athletes. I think their athletes no. are better. Although losing Drake London, the wide receiver for the season, hurts, I still think USC has some great athletes. No, I, I think, you know, looking at these, these matchups this week, honestly – um, other than Arizona Wazoo, I don't think is as good a matchup. Mm-hmm. Washington, Colorado, UCLA, USA, but very good matchups. Those are good games. I, I think they're all really good matchups this week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Up next, Beach, the big game, Cal at Stanford. I'm taking Stanford. Okay. Kyle says after a COVID break, Cal wins the big game. Wow. 
I'm taking Cal. Of course you are. <laughs> Told you I'm going for broke. I'm, just ma- I'm letting you make your picks, and then I'm going opposite. Uh-huh. So I'm either going to be right up beside you or be down by Kyle by the end of this week. <laughs> one or the other. Okay, last game for us to pick this week, Beach. This one is this one is for to win their division for both teams. Oregon at Utah. If Oregon wins, they win the North. If Utah wins, they win the South. Winner of this game goes to the Pac-12 championship game for the division. Because otherwise, Arizona State could still displace Utah theoretically. Uh, I, bu- I believe so, yes. Let me, let me double check. Okay. Let me double check. So, yes, Utah 6-1, Arizona State's 5-2. and two. But Utah has the tiebreaker over Arizona State. So, so Arizona would State need, would need them to Utah. lose twice. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And same thing with Oregon here. They're both in the same predicament. Correct. Except so. – Except the Oregon has a two-game lead over Washington State and the Beavs. Okay, gotcha. Okay, well, I'm taking... And what, uh, what, I'm Washington, what Washington State's hoping is Oregon loses to Utah and to the Ducks, and then Washington State would go to the championship. You mean to the Beavs? No, if Oregon loses to... Utah to Utah and, and the, the Beavs. Yes, correct. You said the Ducks. I meant the Beavs. Too. To, yeah. to the Beavs. So if Oregon loses yep. their next two games, then they would go to the championship. Okay. Because so, because they've all beat each other. Mm-hmm. They would have all beaten Washington, which is the next team in the North. Mm-hmm. And then Cal, Oregon State lost to Cal, so that would drop them down to third. Oh, no, because then Oregon would go. Because Oregon beat Washington State. Mm. So I guess Oregon would go then. Yeah. So how how does Washington State go? Mm, well, they know. would they would be ahead, right? If Oregon dropped two, and Wazoo ends out, they'd all be six and three. Hmm. Hmm. I get. I don't know if Washington State can go. I don't think it's possible. Anyways, all right. Who are you taking? Or wait. I'm taking I'm taking Utah. Taking Utah. Kyle is taking Utah. Mm-hmm. Oh, this hurts me. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna take Oregon. I'm going completely uh, yeah. opposite. Hey. Of course you would. Oregon wins, I pick up a game on you. Utah wins, I win all over the place. I don't want to see her winning all over the place. I, 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 I'm hoping I lose that one. Bring it, bring a tissue and wipe that shit out. I hope I lose that one. All right, Beach. That's that. Now it's time to talk about the final Heinrich Tailgater of the year. The final Tailgater of 2021. Yep. And we will be doing cheesesteaks. And we're going to be doing a special type of cheesesteak. Yeah. I just, we kind of made up on the, on the fly the other day. Because when you were writing down because the message board, I told you, make it a Southwest cheesesteak. Because Southwest style. Southwest style, because the Beavs are playing Arizona State. We try to theme it. Arizona State's always been one to th- hard to kind of theme around. Because mm-hmm. you got what, what have we done before? Like Tex-Mex kind of thing. We do Tex-Mex kind of things. We've done nachos. We've mm-hmm. done Sonoran style hot dogs, but Sonoran style hot dogs are more of a Tucson thing. 
Yeah, and one, we already did Sausage Fest, so it's almost yeah. like we're repeating ourselves a little Exactly, bit. and we like to do cheesesteaks twice, so this yep. gives us a second. So we did, so you wrote down Southwest Style Cheesesteaks, and everyone kept asking me, and I said, I have no clue what it's going to be. But then and on then Saturday, we kind of decided. You and me and Greg, we had a brief conversation over what it meant to be Southwest. Yes. And what did we decide? Well, we're going to start, that instead of normally when I season up the steak, I use just some Johnny seasoning. We're going to use some carne asada seasoning. Spicing it up. A little, little, little carne asada. And then mm-hmm. we're also going to have pepper jack cheese if people want that. Mm-hmm. We're going to have chipotle mayo if people want to add that. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have fresh jalapenos and those crunchy jalapenos to throw on top. Mm, For anybody that wants to spice it up a little bit. Spicy. Right? And then we're going to do our normal deep fried stuff. Yep. We went through a lot of deep fried stuff this last week. Did you notice? We did. We did. That's good. We got a lot of deep fried stuff in the freezer. Yeah. So Move that what? stuff up. Oh, you know, uh, the, the, the pot stickers do go well. Yeah. I was going to get more pot stickers, more Rangoons, more shrimp. Okay. Okay. And probably and mac- what? Mac and, che- and mac and cheese bites. I was going to buy another bag of mac and cheese bites. We've got, I think, one still in the freezer, but we'll buy another one. Okay. Sound good? Sounds awesome. I'm right pretty on. excited. I am too. It should be a good one. Now, we'll be out there early, 7 o'clock, like normal, ready to go. And it's a late-ass game, right? 7.30. So I don't plan on having cheesesteaks ready till about 2. Okay. So I'll start cooking steak and that kind of stuff earlier. And I wonder if a friend who's in the uh, in the uh, audit, the the, uh, the video group is going to join us this week. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, also, too, I will uh, be uh, we'll make sure to to run a bunch of lights out there underneath the canopy so people can see. Yeah, it gets a little dark a little earlier now. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, I'm looking forward to it, Beads. I think it should be a good one. I'm I'm excited. You know, it's oh, we hadn't talked. Are we going to Civil War? I'm gonna try and get us tickets tomorrow. Okay, I'm free, so I'd love to go if you want to go. Okay, I'll try to get us tickets tomorrow. Okay. Anything else? Um, just my 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 uh, my date update. Oh, that's right. Okay, well we make it quick because we're we're droning on a long time today. Oh. Okay, sorry about that. Okay, <clears throat> this is my my Seattle non-date date. So, so for those of you guys that don't know, a lot of times I come up with dates even before I have a date to go out with. So I, I come up with a plan, and I actually had a list for a while of, of dates that I wanted to go on, just kind of looking um, for the uh, the ass to put in the seat, if that makes sense. Sounds kind of callous and shallow, or, but uh, actually it sounds is just it is. like yeah. you. Exactly. So anyway, so I have a friend of mine. Her name is uh, Janie. And this is not to be confused with Janie, who hooked me up with the white as she was tall gal. Um, this is another friend of mine named Janie who I, I work a part-time job with and, and she goes up to me and she goes, Brian, you need to take this girl out. She's a really nice girl. Yada, yada, yada. I said, sure. I, 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 again, this is before, this is about eight years ago, I think is when this one happened. And I said, sure, you know, I'll, I'll take a girl out. I have no idea what this girl looks like. No clue. Right. And I have her phone number, and I think we might have chatted briefly on the phone, but then a lot of it was done via text, right? And so I tell her, and my date was, I wanted to do a Seattle date. And this is where I would pick the girl up fairly early in the morning, you know, probably around 8 o'clock. 
and we would drive up to Seattle and uh, actually not quite Seattle, kind of a uh, uh, SeaTac area. Uh, I wanted to do, it was October and I wanted to do the haunt that's up at Wild Waves up there at the little theme park. And so my plan was at the time I had a little convertible uh, Chevy SSR and it would have been a nice October day. And so it was going to grab the, pick up the girl in the convertible, drive it up to SeaTac, um, uh, find a, a good place for lunch, probably based off of diners, drive-ins and dives, find something where Guy Fieri went to for lunch. Um, maybe do the zoo up at Point Defiance uh, State Park and um, and check out the zoo and then come back uh, in the early uh, afternoon and uh, go over to Wild Waves and ride a few rides and then do their mazes that they have. I always wanted to do their mazes. So this is my plan. Now, one of the things that I like when I go on a date is I kind of like the element of surprise when I take a girl out, right? I don't want to actually like give up my whole plan of what I want to do. I might give them a slight idea, but I don't want to tell them exactly because I get joy out of kind of the surprise. So anyway, I asked this girl, I said, hey, you know, can I pick you up early in the morning? I'll bring you back, you know, fairly late at night, probably close to midnight, something around there. And she's like, well, where are we going? And I said, well, I just kind of have a full day planned. And I said, you know, just trust me, it'll be fun. And and she says, well, I, I, I'm uncomfortable with this. I need to know where we're going. And I'm like, well, I kind of think that, you know, I don't know who you are. You don't know who I am. But we have a friend in common who kind of thinks that maybe we should go out together. And, you know, I, you know, I, I don't think I'm that person of, of questionable character, especially if we both have this friend in common. She goes, well, I, I need to know where we're going. I'm like, well, we're going to go to Washington. And then she's like, well, where are we going to Washington? You know, so she, she's texting me all this crap and she won't give up. So I finally have to tell her, well, my plan was to take you up. I, and I just said to go up to Wild Waves for the haunt up there. And then all of a sudden in this text message, she says, well, maybe we should invite this other gal to join us. <clears throat> well, this is supposed to be kind of a date. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what the hell, you know? I was going to take my convertible. It only seats two. And then on top of that, I have a third wheel. So now I have two issues. Number one issue is now we're going to a theme park with three of us. So that means somebody's going to be riding alone. And my assumption on this is it's going to be me riding alone for most of the rides, which is not why I'm taking this girl out. Right. And then I'm like, and then do I, I I'm a gentleman and I pay for, what we're doing. And so now do I pay for her and not pay for this other girl that she wants to invite? Cause then I feel like an ass to only, to only pay for one. So I'm like, well, and I, so now I got to change my vehicle. I have another girl that I have to pay for, and I'm probably going to be stuck in the backseat of the roller coaster. Right. So I'm like really just disappointed in this whole thing. Well, then the girl comes up and then she's like, well, what if we invite Janie and her or Janie and her husband to go? And I'm like, well, what the hell now? You know, Janie and Kevin don't have the financial resources that I have, right? They've got two, they have two small kids. They've got other bills and expenses going on. So, so now she's changing the, the whole, the, the dynamic. Cause I'm like going, I, I can't do the, the, all the stuff I want to do because it's not going to be in their budget. Right. And so this text message is going back and forth over a period of like two or three days. And she hits me with this one on the end of, uh, end of the evening and I read it and I'm just seething at this point. Right. I mean, I was already pissed off when she invited this other gal. Cause I can't stand that other gal anyway. 
And then she wants to bring Janie and Kevin into it. And I'm just angry and I'm, I'm ready to respond. And, and I'm like, you know, I have a policy. I'm like, I don't, I try not to reply to texts angry. Right. And especially at the end of the night. So I'm like, you know what? I don't need to respond to this right now. I'm going to go to bed. So I, I, I go to bed and I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to respond to this in the morning. Right. And so I'm like, I'll have a, I'll have a better view on things. I'm going to have a fresh view and I'll make my decision then. So I wake up in the morning and I sit there and I look at the, my phone and I look at that text message and I thought, you know, Beach, this isn't your date anymore. You had a date planned. Your date was to take a really nice, sweet girl up to Washington, have a fun day up in the, the Tacoma, Seattle area, go do the haunted wild waves and then come home. This is no longer your date. This is what she wants, not what you want. And that's not why you're going up there. And so I went on my phone and I texted her back and I said, you know, uh, thanks so much. I think I'm going to head and uh, cancel. Um, but uh, best of luck to you. And, and she writes me back. Well, I'd really like to go. And I'm like, no, that's okay. I'm, I'm, I, this, this isn't the date I was looking for. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and probably try to find somebody else down the road. And then she, she petitions me again. And I said, you know, perhaps you don't understand, but you invited a third person, which means I'm going to be the third wheel and I have more expense and I have to change the vehicle that I wanted to drive in, which is not making me happy. Then on top of that, you invited two other people that I really don't want to go on to this date with because now it's going to change all the financial dynamics of what I wanted to do with just you. So apparently I'm not the person you want to go out with because we're not seeing eye to eye. So I think it's best we just call it good right here. So best of luck. I'll find somebody else. Apparently you're not interested in going out with me. And, uh, and again, she does all positive. I'm like, no, it's fine. You know, I'm good. You know, it doesn't upset me. You know, it saved me a lot of money. <laughs> I didn't tell her that, but yeah. I'm like, that's fine. And, uh, and I thought I was done with it. And I actually, um, uh, well, so, so then I thought I was done with it. And so, and I never ended up going on that date that year. I ended up taking that date with a girl named Angela, like about two years later. And uh, we had a great time. Good. Um, yeah, no, she, she was fun. I mean, we, it was just a, a one hit wonder date, but she was a nice gal. And I remember we went up there and we even got our palms read and the gal who read our palms was like completely off. Um, but anyway, um, but what was really funny was, um, uh, about a week and a half, two weeks later, I'm working at my part-time job, uh, that I work with, with Janie and, uh, I'm in the back, back room doing freight and somebody calls me back and says, Hey Brian, there's somebody here to see you. And I'm like, dude, nobody even knows I work here. Why? Who's coming to see me, right? And so I open the door up, and there's this gal. I don't even know who she is. And she's like, oh, hi. I'm blah, blah, right? <clears throat> and it took me a minute to figure out who she was. And I said, oh, hi. And she's like, oh, well, I was, you know, I was in the mall. I just want to stop in and say hi and see how you're doing and kind of introduce myself. And I said, I'm doing fine. You know, nice to meet you. I mean, I don't know if she thought that suddenly, like, I was going to be enamored with her when she came in. I didn't know what she looked like, right? This was a complete blind date that I was willing to invest a whole day on, you know, of, of doing fun stuff with her. And she wasn't willing to do it with me. And I, I, it was funny. It was, I mean, not only was she, you know, 
not attractive to me mentally because she wasn't at all what I'm looking for in life. But she wasn't all that attractive in general. I'm like, oh, so nice to meet you. Whatever. Have a good life. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, it, it was funny. But, you know, it was it was just I just couldn't believe, you know, and, and what's awesome is, well, so next week's date that I'll talk about is uh, it's a girl named Heather and it's my Paris date. And that kind of gave me better expectations. So, but okay, so that was a good date. Uh, the next date was a good. This coming up is going to be a decent date, not not a great date. Right. So, yeah, a, a good date ends in a kiss. I don't even think I got a warm hug, but still, uh, I got a yes, which was with without contingency. So that was good. Okay. So, yeah. But anyway, so next week, Heather in Paris. All right. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to show number 171 of the Legal Participation. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion, or ask a question, there are a few ways to get in touch with us. Heinrich Tailgater at gmail.com, at Heinrich Tailgater on Twitter, Heinrich Tailgater on Facebook. Remember, listen and subscribe and leave ratings and reviews wherever you listen to your podcast at. Beach! I look forward to Saturday. Me too. Me too. A Philly cheese or a cheesesteak day. Always a good one. I hope the weather's good. Let's hope so. And let's hope for another Beavers win and that better win. And until then, there's a great big Go Beavers. is hash mm. let me know when you're ready I'm ready with <laughs> I wasn't I had to get that burp out that was a good burp too oh you asshole bugging me because I freaking fart in your garage you farted, you farted right in front of me when you could have stayed outside and farted. You know, I can't pick my where my farts happen. Billy. <laughs> Sorry, Billy. Cut that out. That's okay. <laughs> I'm standing up because I'm cramping up right now. Okay, great. All right. Hold on. So, I need a drink of water. Son of a bitch.
for telling me my freaking hamstring's cramping up on me. <laughs> I'm walking around my desk right now trying not to cramp up. It's killing me. I'm like, like walking in place. I'm like, I'm so old. It's like two <laughs> trying to record a podcast. <laughs> um, where, where did I leave off that? There. Oh, um, oh, she wants to invite this friend. Yeah. Oh, all right. Sibilance. Sibilance. Can you make any more noise, Billy? Sorry. I sat back down. <laughs> My cramp went away. <laughs> handing the reins over to linebackers coach Trent Bray. Handing the... I like beer. I will I will just say right now for anyone listening to this part of the audio please don't let kids listen to this <laughs> This isn't this this last part here we're going to play it cuz it was funny and there will still be some bleeps but don't let little kids listen to this Thank you Well a yes to animal could be pretty good That's <laughs> the Wow. Oh, Billy, Billy, Billy. You gotta cut did that you, out. Did you, well, I was gonna, you're gonna cut this out, but let me tell you, did you, did you see what happened on stage with that, that Rage Against the Machine cover band? No. Oh my God. So there's this Rage Against the Machine cover band, right? And it's led by this female lead singer, okay? And she's hot, okay? She's a good looking chick. And she, on stage, guys are out there rocking to this concert, you know, chick, bang, you know, screaming out rage against the machine, you know, killing in the name of. And she's urinates like, on a dude's face. Yes. She freaking gave the dude a golden shower on stage. Oh, my God. Shoot. She's like, she's like, I got to pee. I got to pee. And you know what? We might as well make a show. of it. Who wants to come up here? And so this dude comes up on stage and she's like, all right, lay on the ground. And he lays on the ground face up and then she pulls down her pants and she just gives him a golden shower right there on stage. People taking videos and crap of it. Right. And it didn't take long for that crap to hit social media. And, uh, and the dude, he's like sitting there getting pissed on and then he blows it out of his mouth. You know, she gets done. She puts, pulls up her pants and, uh, he gets up and he's trying to get on the stage and she kind of kicks him off the stage. She's like, you had your fun. Now leave. You know, get he's out a, of here. He's a big dude, too. He's a big dude, yeah. I'm watching You're watching her get peeing on, peeing on him? Yeah, hold on. Just just yeah. don't, don't talk for a second when I watch it.
Wow. Uh-huh. That's nuts. Does she She's kind of hot, yeah. Oh, my God. But, um, yeah, she's, she's kind of skanky hot. Sophia, so the, the, you think? Sophia <laughs> Eurista. So the band comes out afterwards, after this all comes out, and they're like, um, yeah, we apologize. Uh, this isn't really who we are. I'm like, oh, yeah, I kind of think you are. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's smoking hot. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what. And she sings, I mean, before she goes into it, she's singing, and I'm listening. I'm like, going, dude, she's kind of hot singing this song. Because, yeah. I mean, for the freaking Rage of the Kids Machine, you know, the way. Anyway. So it's called but, Brass but, Against. Yeah, Brass Against she, something. Wasn't she's. It? Yeah, she's gorgeous in that, yeah. that top she's wearing. Got a lot of flesh showing, and even more when she pulls her pants down. Yeah, she's freaking hot. Mm hmm. Oh, she's done burlesque stuff. Oh, is that what she's done? Yeah. I didn't read that. Yeah, I gotta cut I, out. I gotta it. cut out this whole part. You gonna put it at the end? I don't know if I'll even put it at the end. Oh my God! Please put it at the end. It's so end. It's so end worthy. Okay. <laughs> because people are gonna want to Google this crap and go, oh "My God, a golden shower." This oh. is the kind of stuff that appears on my social media. Okay. Makes you wonder what it's tracking on me. Sophia Eurista, the singer who shocked the world by peeing on a fan in a concert, has Miley Cyrus to thank for her big break. Really? Yeah, it says she's been the lead singer of the band for years. Over the weekend, made headlines. Born in 85, from Detroit. Was a contestant on the U.S. version of The Voice in 2016. Hmm. After being chosen by Miley Cyrus. Really? She comes from a conservative family and was a pre-med student before she pursued a music career. When she was and 21, yeah, when she was 21, she moved to New York City with only $700 to her name and began a life as a performer. We had a great, the band said, we had a great time last night. That's not something the rest of us expected. It's not, not, not something you'll see again at our shows. Thanks for bringing it last night, Daytona. <laughs> now, I think she brought it. Comments have been turned off of the Instagram post of the band statement, but fans have taken to commenting on their photos. Now is urinating on the people a VIP experience. Where do I sign up for VIP? <laughs> she did nothing wrong. It was metal as fuck. <laughs> She's pretty hot. Uh, Formed in 2017, Brass Against is a collective of artists led and curated by Brad Hammonds. Yeah, they said they do some other covers too, not just uh, yeah. Rage Against the Machine. Rage Against the Machine, Tool, and Audio Slave. Yeah. They also do some of their own original music. Well, she's going to be, uh, you know, uh, nobody would have known who um, Kim Kardashian was until she did Sex Tape. Yep. So. Maybe this gal will become famous and peeing on a guy's face and in, in uh, on a concert will just be uh, be left to the past. <laughs>